welcome back to Centered, a podcast dedicated to, to exploring spiritual practices for everyday people. We're really, really glad that you're part of this community. We're really glad that whether you're listening for the first time or you're coming back to listen again, we're just really glad that we can kind of be in this conversation together. Um, this podcast is, is a community of people exploring together what it looks like to find a little less of that busyness, distraction, and anxiety that's so common in our world today, and find just a little more uh, peace and centeredness. Um, we're just really glad to be on that journey with you. As always, uh, I'm joined by a couple great guests. My name is Carl Helvig. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Centennial Covenant, the church that we host this out of. Uh, as we always say, uh, whether or not you go to a church, you're a Christian person, wherever you're out on the spiritual journey, um, we hope this is a beneficial uh, podcast for you. Joined also by Roy Graham. Hey, Carl. It's great to be back. Great to have you here. And then a new guest that you haven't met before, Eric Beagle. Yeah, my name is uh, Eric Beagle. I actually work at Centennial Covenant. I'm the current student ministries resident for the, the proud moniker of an uh, intern. So I work with the, <laughs> the middle schoolers. Yeah, great job. Love it. They make me laugh so much. Awesome. Eric, we're really uh, glad to be having a conversation with you today. And before we jump into that, I'm just going to do a, a brief intro and say that, you know, the theme of this third season has been what we've called interactive prayer. This idea that um, all of us at different times in our life can pretty easily let prayer slip into something that feels rote or feels stuck or it can get prayer can just get really small in all sorts of ways and we want to try to just help all of us both obviously you know us here on the microphone but everyone on the other side of the microphone listening we want to help all of us figure out ways to break out of any ways that prayer is getting small or stuck or maybe feeling uh, uh, dead or lifeless in any way. And today is kind of going to be a, a new version of that because we've been talking about interactive prayer and a lot of it's been um, fairly kind of internal, personally focused, which is good. But we're actually going to, in conversation with Eric, get to the idea of how written prayers, even really old written prayers, can actually sometimes be the thing that springs new life uh, up into our um, conversation and interactions with God. So I say that all just to say, you know, we really hope that wherever you're at in understanding prayer and understanding this, this whole concept of what does it mean to interact, to speak with God, um, we hope and, and we pray that this is a meaningful and encouraging opportunity to find fresh life-giving ways for, for um, prayer to be lived and experienced for you. Right. I don't know if you wanted to say anything else uh, about that in just introduction. Love the idea that I mean, we we grow in our relationship with God just like we grow in relationship with anybody mm. else. It's mm. it's interaction. It's I say something, someone else says something to me. I pick up on a mood, they pick up on my mood, and this is how we build relationship. And prayer is is that arena where we do that with God. You know, who made mm. us, who is in us, who we're in, in, in. You know, always with, can't ever get away from, and that can be both good and negative sometimes. <laughs> but the notion that we in interact with God and the, what I love about what we're exploring and maybe especially today and, and last two episodes is that prayer is a multifaceted mm. diamond. There isn't one way to do it because mm. there isn't one way to relate to anyone. So there isn't one way to relate to God. So I'm excited to interact with Eric uh, there um, and see where that goes. So yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, you were telling us a little bit um, just before we hit the record button. Um, just about kind of your background, your story of, of how you were raised in faith and kind of what prayer used to look like and how that's been coming along. Why don't you just tell a little bit about that again? What, what are some of your memories 
um, maybe some good, some bad, about how you first heard about, were introduced to, learned what it meant to pray? Oh, what a great question. I think as with, <laughs> with many experiences, it all starts with food. This is, <laughs> most memories for me are in some way or another related to the dinner table. So earlier on, I remember the greatest responsibility being who is gonna pray before meals. And I'll cry. I, I, if I, I can see if I close my eyes, because you, you close your eyes when you pray, so it's a very similar space uh, visually to when I was a very young lad, but uh, I think that probably would pray you know, a thousand times before meals, as you know, Lord, uh, thank you for this food and for this day. Please bless it and nourish our bodies. Amen. And I think I probably did mm. that for years, you know, well, even into adult life. And uh, something that I really appreciate Roy saying that really like sparks the imagination is because you talk about like prayer being a relationship. Uh, something that was difficult is while it's enjoyable to like reflect back on the memory because it's something because it, being a, for a Christian for a very long time, it's it's comforting to know that like I've been in a family of faith and that what a blessing that is. But the relationship with prayer before meals wasn't a relationship with the divine creator, right? It was a relationship with uh, very real parents and <laughs> <laughs> what I thought I was like supposed to do, right? And, mm. and, uh, and there's nothing like inherently wrong with that. In fact, as like a middle school pastor, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, you need to pray because you're supposed to. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I don't know if as an individual I ever explored or gave it an opportunity to be something more until I really started maturing um, and experiencing other relationships. And that analog of, of prayer as a conversation mm. um, with a very real person of, of God, um, I think began to develop when I was a teenager um, and started having my own personal prayer life. So stepping away from the dinner table and into the, you know, the devotion space. Um, you had said earlier that that to in some way, and you kind of alluded to this, a lot of your early experiences with prayer felt mostly like obligation, like something you were yeah. supposed to do. Oh, it was, and it was so uh, reactive to, of like, I, I don't know if I'd ever have the thought of like, oh, I wanna pray. Mm. Um, it would often be either being like told, told to, or like feeling like I had to. Um, yeah, it, it, it felt like um, a way of like, securing safety from like my surroundings um, of like, you don't want to like rock the boat. So like, oh, I'll just pray. Um, or like, if I don't like say the right things or do the right things, people will like judge me and I'll be like held in like contempt, you know? Hmm. Um, so both uh, publicly praying as a way of like, you know, like still like, getting to be a part of the club or even like privately worrying that like my faith or like my identity was in, like great jeopardy if I didn't like pray the right way or do the right things, yeah. Yeah, I think obligation is a very succinct word. Yeah, prayer is more like going to the parole officer to make sure you're not in trouble, <laughs> oh, rather than going to your best friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's important to highlight that that's perfectly legitimate. Like that mm. is how we learn to do a lot of things. I mean, like I have three daughters, and they all three love to read. And yet there was a time when, you know, early on in elementary school, it was read this book, do that thing. Now for them, they, they picked up on their own fairly quickly. But there's, I mean, for me, as I never read unless I had to until I got into, until I got into college, you know, university. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think it's, it's appropriate to say, you know what, well, yeah, we've, we've got to sort of start somewhere. And for yeah. someone young growing up in a faith family, that's entirely appropriate. And even as we look at learning to pray now, wherever stage we are, there's a certain benefit in saying, yeah, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> so do this prayer and let's see where it goes. 
Oh, great point. I you know, really appreciate you saying that because you, you do have to start somewhere. And I think if as a child left to my own devices, if I was told like, you know, just like pray if you want to, I just wouldn't have. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have <laughs> well, done. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just because from where we stand now, we might look back at something, I don't know if distasteful is, is too strong of a word, but we might look back at something and be like, oh, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. We also shouldn't therefore say, but I wish I hadn't. We, right. we want to be able to embrace what that was. That was part of the journey bringing us to wherever we are right now. Right, yeah. exactly. Oh, for sure. It's like, a, I think, a necessary stage to be in because it, cause it's such a, prayer is like such a muscle and such a, um, uh, such like a unique experience that I feel like it, it, it would be a very odd expectation to like look at like a five or six year old about to eat dinner and say like, okay, have a very emotional, intimate experience with your creator right now. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, like, yeah. So you're right. It's the, um, yeah. So I, I, but also if that was like where I still was of like only praying because people were watching. Well, now that's something different. Mm. Yeah. So say more about how it switched. How did you, yeah. how did you move from that? You, you mentioned you did as a teenager in devotional space, but Say some more about what that looked like. I think something I was really grateful for is to have a Sunday school teacher who was very competent at publicly modeling his personal relationship uh, with, with Christ. Um, hmm. Not in a way that was like inappropriate or anything. He was just like very comfortable talking about um, experiences that he either had like during the week or in his life where um, hardships that he experienced like as an adult or as a man were handled with his relationship with God. Hmm. Um, hmm. And that was something... Um, you know, kind of as like developing on my own faith journey, I was able to um, to look to and recognize of like, oh, as a teenager, I know I have problems. Uh, and, you know, maybe like prayer is a way that I can like meet those needs. It's not just a way to like, like obey my parents, but it's a way that I can begin to like order my life and, um, you know, see like, seek like relief or like help. Yeah. Mm. You said, uh, you kind of mentioned this just now, but also earlier in our conversation, um, the role of emotions in the, you know, in, in how it showed up in prayer is something that has been in development. Talk a little bit more about how, you know, emotions were, were not a big part of your life for a while, if, if that's a fair summary. Oh, and, yeah, no, that's pretty fair. <laughs> and I think there's like, um, I, don't, I don't know, I think there's like two dynamics. That. What's, a, what's a great, like, succinct way of putting it? Um, is, um, I think I grew up in a faith tradition where it wasn't about, like, uh, um, it was much less about like feeling and much more about like thinking. Mm. So to have like a right relationship with God would be to like have the right answers. Um, which means that like if prayer is an avenue of like being in right relationship with God, um, it's all just about like being able to like say the right things. Um, so that meant that like no emotions are like really required in, in mm. that kind of like prayer or that, that kind of like spiritual space. Um, and also, it, in, in fact, it's like, I, I never found it even like very personal either, uh, because you're either like, because uh, at that point, you're, you're almost exclusively saying things like for other people. Hmm. Um, so, but then growing into an adult, uh, and then being able to like be a part of like a faith community, recognizing that people were having like really emotional experiences. And not that it was just as like ancillary or like auxiliary part of it, like, oh, they pray and sometimes um, there's like emotions involved. But the fact that like to bring your full personhood to the practice of prayer involves, uh, uh, you know, your, your emotional life and your mm. mental life. Um, and so like in the same ways that like you might pray with a kid and they're like very easily like distracted and not paying attention to like things in the room. I think 
by not incorporating like emotions into the prayer, it's almost like that same kind of like distraction of like you're not bringing your full mm. self. Um, so in this, yeah. Uh, so how would I like summarize that by saying that like, um, I by ignoring the emotional side of myself and of prayer. I almost felt for a long time I was partaking in the, the same practice of like a kid who as he's praying is just like staring around the room, you know, like reading posters or like wondering what he's gonna do later. Um, Cause it's like such a big part of who we are and it's such a huge part of like who God is, but it wasn't a part of my prayer life at all. So um, the bad relationship with my emotions just transformed into like a bad relationship with God, hmm. at least via communication, yeah. Which is a perfect example of why we talk about prayer being the arena for growth. Mm. Uh, because that's that is where we learn to grow, incorporating our whole self into a whole relationship with God. And depending on our traditions, we have different relationships with emotions. So of course you're going to bring that same aspect into your prayer life, and vice versa. The more you experience God, and it stirs something emotionally, well now you have to do something with that, and you can repress it, or you can say, okay, Lord, teach me what you want me to know about my emotions. And yeah. the context can be and often is prayer. And even like you said before, we can get stuck in this idea of if I acknowledge where I'm broken, whether I think my prayer life might be broken or, or in whatever way I'm broken, if I acknowledge that, then that might be sort of too, acknowledging my weakness too much. Whereas in fact, wherever we acknowledge something that's hurt or broken in us, that actually is specifically where growth happens, you know? Oh, like, yeah. like oh, growth yeah. happens because of our ability to be aware and think about struggles, challenges, places we're stuck, not in spite of the fact Always. Uh, yeah. that we're hurting in, in any way that we are. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and that's so sad. I, I don't think that's an entirely unique experience, but definitely was a big experience for you. As you think about it, that sense of like obligation, the obligation is to like not bring the emotions, not bring the fear mm. or the bitterness or the anger to prayer. You shove all that aside so that you can pray. <laughs> what, what a... What a, what a warped version of like prayer, you know, um, where it's this this mimicking or this like shadow boxing of a conversation. Um, yeah. And I think that's where, I mean, we mentioned it and I'm sure we'll go there, but just looking at other people's written prayers, I mean, that's where that can be really helpful because we see other people wrestling with those things, writing them down in the form of prayer or poetry or something like that, and then saying, oh, I can identify with that place where they're not shoving aside their feelings or whatever else, their reactions. And uh, written prayers can help us do that. You mentioned some So say something about that, the, yeah. the written prayers. Oh, I really appreciate it. So uh, I think the context that I grew up being exposed to prayer was this like very like spontaneous, like individual thing. We're kind of like in the moment, you're praying what comes to mind. And I think that there are parts of my life where that's been very helpful and important because that, that can be a very like intimate and special space. Um, where you where you give God access to your to your stream of consciousness, um, but also kind of for like the reasons we talked about earlier, that kind of like automatic thought processes that I had prevented a lot I think from having like a healthy prayer life. So instead, my default would be these kind of like rote, regulated experience where it's kind of like mimic of a conversation. So I then found it was oftentimes with things like the, you talked about poetry, Psalms. I think is like a, such a great example, right. um, or even reading. Um, from like some pastors like the Merton prayer or there's a book I have called Valley of Vision which is a collection of Puritan prayers that you then begin to see um, modeled like a different way of praying than I've been exposed to. One that still has a sense of like surety and like authority to it because um, you can like recognize like the words and you know that it's like a prayer but it felt like very foreign and different like from what I experienced 
Um, so like, for instance, like growing up in a, um, like a Southern Baptist church, you don't have a lot of, you want to have like, like the Book of Common Prayer or, you know, anything. With, and That's not happening. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, if everyone in the congregation reads scripture at the same time, it's pretty suspicious. <laughs> uh, but then um, going uh, to like different churches as an adult and then experiencing uh, the safety that comes with uh, being a part of like a generation mm-hmm. uh, of Christianity and taking part in something that has been going on for like a long time. Um, I think that that's a really big element of like changed the way I worship, but also especially prayer as well. So I found that um, since I had been kind of like stunted in that area of like intimacy and emotions, being able to like rely on what had been modeled or even written by other people then created this space, this foundation for me then to um, to rely on that uh, and then and then begin to, I've, I've realized, be a much more emotional and then much more responsive and, and interactive in prayer. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and you had said at one other point, too, it's almost like prayer had been divided into these separate categories. And by separating it out, it kind of reduced the significance of any one of them. And what I'm hearing you say now is by integrating various ways of praying and various sources to kind of draw inspiration and guidance in our prayer, that actually adds richness to all of the different ways that you experience prayer in life. Yeah, I've, I've certainly found that to be a case. An analogy I would use is that um, I'm a big runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as a teenager, I'd run with my dad. And now as an adult, I run with my aunt. And both of them are very, very good about keeping track of how fast you're running and how far you're running. Um, and that's something I am not good at. Because <laughs> I zone out when I run completely. I'm just in my own world. But knowing that having someone, or within prayer in this case, would be something who can like just help guide hmm. and help kind of like curate that experience of to make sure that's within that kind of like window of tolerance or something you're like able to handle. You know, like run this far, run this fast. Same way, like in prayer, pray this way or for this long or on this subject. Um, then then freeze that kind of like processing side of my brain to access the hard to experience sides. And, and then mm-hmm. I get a whole lot more of the experience. So yeah, I would completely agree with what you said. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so good, Eric. Appreciate you being here to have this conversation with us. Um, where we're going to go is in the next episode. Uh, Eric's going to be back again, and we're going to put together a spiritual practice where um, we read out loud through one of these written prayers um, in, in one of the books that Eric mentioned. So uh, I'll just kind of end with this invitation um, for each of us. Again, you know, acknowledging we're in such different places in our spiritual journey. Those of us sitting around the table here, uh, all of the people listening on the other side of the microphone. Um, the encouragement that I'm taking from this is twofold. One, whatever ways I look back at my life, whatever the ways you look back at your life and you see wounds or struggles or maybe disappointments from your uh, understanding of and interaction with God in the past, this is an opportunity to say those were also gifts for your ongoing growth. Mm -hmm. And then second, to to look at what your current experience of prayer is and and whatever your growing edge is, wherever you're you're finding some fresh hope or some fresh, uh, you know, real connection with God, that's a good that's going to that's going to also show up uh, kind of integrated into different ways of our lives. And so I think it's, I appreciate the way this really kind of opened up even more realms of understanding. What does it mean to have a relationship, an interaction uh, with God, wherever we are on the journey, whatever our past has been, whatever's going on in present. Um, I, I appreciate that this is a really hopeful message. And so I hope um, that it provides some meaning for all of us listening. Uh, And with that, encourage you to come back next episode and experience what it is to interact with God through some written prayers 
um, from people of faith from long ago. Great to be with everyone. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Eric. No, thanks. It was a pleasure.